You're listening to the What Do You Actually Do podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview, a useful tip or encouraging message to help you find your place in the professional world. Hello and welcome to this episode of What Do You Actually Do? My name's Kate Morris and I'll be your host today. In today's episode, we'll be talking about working in engineering within the energy sector. Today, we're joined by Dan Bean, who works as an associate transmission engineer at the National Grid. So, Dan, what do you actually do? Hello. Thanks for having me. Um, I suppose I do quite a few things, and some are more interesting than others, as with every job. The most interesting thing I do, I think, is there's a role which, as part of our commissioning process, which is when we build new things. So I, I specifically work in protection and control systems, which are, if you uh, want to picture your house, you have an RCD unit. Uh, which prevents sort of energy surges and faults breaking the equipment in your house. Your, your, you know, your, com- your computer doesn't explode every time the street gets struck by lightning. But we have very, very similar systems on a much bigger scale on the transmission system. So National Grid operate the transmission system from 400,000 volts down to um, 132,000 volts. And they have a few things that are lower, but um, they mostly deal with kind of the, the bigger things. So for students at the University of York, there's actually a very large substation um, on Hull Road by the B&Q, um, which most people don't know it's there because it's got some nice trees around the outside to hide it. Um, but I've actually got some projects there at the moment with some various protections we're changing. So the protection systems will prevent damage to our plant. Uh, some, some, some of our equipment is quite expensive. You imagine a, a huge transformer the size of a house uh, doesn't necessarily come particularly cheap. No. And it would be a little bit silly just to kind of let it burst into flames every time you uh, had something go wrong. So essentially, I deal with the programming of those systems in a role called technical assurance we have suppliers who will create these systems for us under our kind of guidance and our policies and then we will go and check them and make sure that they're correct so it's kind of we don't just that they're so important that we don't just trust the suppliers to deliver them as they say they should be we have to have that kind of extra diligence an extra engineering check just because of the the importance of these systems but we also have some that we deliver in-house so there's some more simpler systems that we just buy the relays and program them ourselves so reasonably local to york we actually have a lab at a substation in a little village called monk fryston which is somewhere in between leeds and york depending on how well you know the local area and then um, we've done quite a few transformers personally i've done some hv and lv so it's high voltage and low voltage side protections for overcurrents and earth faults for some transformers at Blythe, which is sort of northeast Newcastle. Uh, so we are a national grid. We do have places all over the place. We're not a, a Yorkshire grid or a York grid or a, a northern grid. We have places. So I actually did my industrial placement scheme in a place called Weybridge, which is kind of southwest London. Um, it's on the same train line to Woking. We really do have places all over the country for, for this kind of thing. As part of your everyday role, then, are you traveling all over the country to go to these places to check that the equipment works as it should, to install new bits and pieces are you sort of out and about or is a lot of this done in an office and then it's just every now and again you go and check that it is working correctly etc it's a good mix I would say Uh, so currently I am at home um, which is quite nice but sometimes I'm in the office um, Mm. there are some admin sides to the job that, that need to be done where these settings for these relays are quite important we have quite a robust process for saving and storing the settings for them um, and if someone wants to make a change to the settings, which which does happen reasonably often, you know, various various different things can can happen to, to make us want to make them sort of as accurate as possible, make sure that they trip. There is a robust process in place to to make that change. So that's more of an admin type job. But um, so 
I've traveled to factories. Um, so there's Siemens in Newcastle that I've been to most recently. Was there for an entire week for a process called type registration. So um, for those of you that have a bit more of a kind of uh, business mindset, we don't just give a design and say, please make this. Um, we have a list of policies and conditions and then factory, well, our, our sort of suppliers will make a solution for a range of things that then can be programmed more specifically for the exact task that we want. So you know, no, no overhead line, no with, with pylons and things, but none of them are identical, but some of them are quite similar. So you can just change the parameters to make it fit that specific line. So type registration basically is saying, ah, you've made this that would suit a, a range of solutions and we're happy to tick off that that's okay. And then we'd come back another day for a process called factory acceptance testing, which is when we have a specific project to use that relay that they've then programmed for us on a specific circuit. And we can then say, yes, you have used the correct parameters. You've turned the right things off. You've turned the right things on to make this work. I also go to site. Um, so we have a, a quite robust commissioning procedural process. So um, I'm working towards, haven't quite got yet, I will admit. Um, there's a, a role called commissioning officer, which is kind of an assurance role to manage the documents and the general commissioning process as it goes on. I have visited sites in that capacity while training, especially for the transformers I've recently done at Blythe. And then there is another role that I, I, I do called settings engineer. So mm -hmm. we have settings on these relays. So we used to have very old ones with toggle switches on the front, which are far, far easier to program. And now, um, even though this is more of an electrical discipline, the electronics and electrical have kind of merged together now. So we have IEDs, we have we have computers that do this um, with, with a program and logic rather than just a, previously it would have been a, an induction-based system with a spinning disc and a magnet. And when enough current went through, the magnet would turn and trip. So when we have, you know, we're talking 100, 100 years or so of development of these systems, um, we're now reaching the point where they are computer-based rather than sort of more electromechanical. Um, but yeah, I, I travel sort of reasonably around. I'd say on average, probably twice a week, I'm not in an office. Sometimes it's more than others. I, I had a couple of weeks previously where I, the entire week I was away. Yeah, definitely in this role specifically, there's some good opportunities to travel. I've also mm -hmm. been to Siemens factory in Berlin for another type of, so for a controller, which got a point on wave control. Um, I won't go into the, the real technical depths of why we need those. I think that would take the entire uh, podcast. But um, essentially, I have had the chance to travel to Germany to a huge factory for Siemens. It, it, it's absolutely gigantic. It, it truly is. Um, the entire size of the University of York quite easily would fit inside this factory. Absolutely wow. gigantic in Berlin. Um, but yeah, definitely opportunities to travel. See, it sounds like it's a mixture of very technical things, communicating with suppliers and manufacturers to understand what the technical requirements are, but also a lot of getting out and about, working with different people, different backgrounds, potentially different cultures if you're sort of traveling abroad. So it sounds like a really varied role then. Oh, certainly. And on the point of different cultures, our team is actually quite diverse across uh, sort of everyone's origins. Is that We have quite a a few people have recently joined from India, uh, Saudi Arabia and Pakistan. Sort of the whole the whole teams of, of quite a wide range of people. It's quite nice actually to talk to people and see, see sort of, especially what they did. Um, most people have worked in sort of their, say, home or, or previous country's energy system. And seeing the differences between ours and theirs is normally quite eye-opening on sort of mm. how our policies work versus their policies, our systems, their systems. So um, it really does kind of, and I'd say that a lot of teams are like that across the entire company. It, it's actually very good in terms of finding the best solution sometimes when someone joins very recently from India and says, oh, we, we don't do that with our circuit breakers. We do this instead. And you say, oh, 
well, actually, we couldn't do that, but it was good to sort of see whether we could, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, that's really interesting to have people's very different perspectives where the whole infrastructure is just completely different. I'm sure that does help breed new ideas and, and approaches. You mentioned earlier that you did a degree in electronic engineering with a business management year in industry, and, and you, you actually did that with the National Grid. How did that year in industry impact on your career? I'm quite the advocate for the sandwich year for the year in industry. And um, I, I would quite happily go on record to say that my year in industry placement is worth more than my degree. No, no <laughs> knock to the University of York um, because you give me the, the opportunity to do so. But in terms of finding the opportunities and my current job role, absolutely worth its weight in gold. If, and any students listening, if they were to put in to do a, a sandwich year, it's definitely something, even if you're not completely sure what you want to do, it's definitely something to worth exploring. Obviously, you need some due diligence just to ensure that the scheme that you would enroll on is worth your time. There are the horror stories sometimes of the person that ended up making the tea for their entire year, but I would say that that was certainly not my experience. I was sort of thrown in at the deep end quite quickly and given some calculations and introductions. And I was very lucky actually in that there are a lot of very senior engineers approaching retirement where I was and they sort of wanted to unload all their knowledge before they were before they left, which um, has benefited me quite a lot. It's um, very very good to be able to do. It sounds like it gave you an insight into what it was like working there and you got the benefit of these people's experience. What else makes you feel so strongly that this was the thing that has really helped me to secure graduate employment? Why did that well, so do it? National Grid specifically, by completing my IP scheme and not making a complete fool of myself, um, I was offered a position on their graduate scheme without another interview. So I, I didn't have to do sort of the application process again. It's a uh, you know, the, the devil you know. Um, <laughs> um, I was able to get onto that scheme not having done sort of the second round of interviews for the for the graduate scheme. And that's a year and a half scheme rather than a year in industry scheme. So um, essentially the two together, two and a half years of various different positions in grid. It sounds like you've got kind of a good grasp on the business side of it there. Did the placement involve business related training as well as technical or was it more your degree that combined technical skills with business? What would you sort of say about that? So I'd say that my my current role is probably one of the more technical roles and it's more the national grid graduate scheme that's kind of given me this business awareness and various placements that I've done. But I think that's their idea is they want to create well-rounded graduates rather than sticking someone in a box for two and a half years and hoping they pop out and know what they're doing. Though I did do the business management part of my degree, it was only a a small part of my degree. And um, I would say that mostly my placements have been more technical, but that's what I'm more interested in. So how's the pandemic impacted on your work? Because you started your grad scheme when the pandemic had just sort of started. Yeah, so I started my graduate scheme. It would have been the end of September 2019. So I moved from York to Leeds. Um, to do a play because I'm currently based in Leeds as an office in Crossgates Um, and so I cycled from where I was in Leeds to there on a daily basis and then I reached the end of my first placement which was with the team that I did my industrial placement with and then Covid struck so I did escape back to my parents just in time to then work from home for most of it to be honest. I didn't get furloughed I was just sort of given different tasks. So I moved from National Grid electricity transmission to security, which was actually quite interesting. So it was more from a security technical point of view. So electrical fences, cameras, locks, which coming from quite a technical background were less technical than the things that I'd done before. Mm. But it was incredibly interesting to see how these systems impacted the day-to-day operation of our sites by next placement. I was in the transmission network control room in the control center. So um, 
I sort of jumped from looking at fences to then looking at the systems that we use to manage commissioning. Even though it sounds like National Grid had to pivot a bit and change some of the stuff that you were doing on your graduate training scheme because of the pandemic and the restrictions that imposed, do the graduate schemes as they're normally designed involve these different you know a bit of time in this department a bit of time in that department a bit of time in that department or does it tend to be focused on one area normally yes so that's actually um sort of what the scheme is designed for so you would do three placements of six months the first one is kind of at your home directorate where you're supposed to go after or can do can go after the second one is meant to be completely different so it's why i went from sort of electricity transmission to security to do something entirely different and then in the third one they want you to go back to your sort of main business area so I went back to electricity transmission but I was in the um, control room in the TNCC rather than sort of in that engineering assurance role but there was quite a crossover between my first and third placement so um, you know I, I could see like the benefits of doing that and understanding you know these are people who I will need to interact with on my day-to-day work and I now understand what they do because I've done it. And once you've kind of come to the end of your scheme and you say you go back to your sort of home place that you're going to be working in permanently, do you stay in that role? You mentioned a few different roles at the beginning there, commissioner and this, that and the other. Like, do you stay in your lane now or could you move across to other parts of the business if you wanted to in the future? If I wanted to, I, I could. Um but I, I don't really want to. <laughs> it, I, I think I found the thing that I enjoy and um, I'd quite happily carry on doing it for the foreseeable future, which I know a lot, a lot of people can't really say. So I, I feel quite lucky to be able to sort of say that, which is probably why I've um, sort of volunteered to, to do this and, and a talk later today at the uni, just because it's something that I've somehow become quite passionate about. Yeah. Um, having, so my, my degree wasn't an elect, I know national, uh, sorry, University of York now do a triple E degree, but I didn't do an electrical engineering degree. I did electronic. And um, though it sounds very similar to those that aren't doing uh, that kind of engineering, electrical and electronic are quite different. So I've had to learn a lot of electrical, not uh, sort of theory to be able to carry on doing the job. But luckily it sort of crosses over into the relays themselves, but no, you, you can move. So the only, the only thing that I did I did have was um well when I finished my graduate scheme I was given a retention payment so I got paid a, a little bonus which I used to to buy um, an old car but if I were to leave in the first two years of receiving that payment I have to pay it back um I didn't have the intention of leaving so I didn't have to pay it back so on that sort of same theme then what would you say are the sort of personal strengths or qualities that it's useful to have if you're going to be happy like you are and successful uh, as an engineering professional. You can always try and find the thing that you're interested in, but just because you're enjoying something doesn't mean you shouldn't understand what other people do. Um, I think it's very easy to uh, become quite interested in the, the thing that you do um, and keep your head down a little bit. Um, so, was, so I've actually very recently done my Institute of Asset Management certificate. Um, I've tried to keep broad so that I know actually what I'm doing rather than um, knowing exactly what I'm doing and being sort of blinkered into just doing that one thing, as I think it's very easy to do if you um, sort of become quite into one specific type of technology. So it's having that bigger picture understanding of why you're doing what you're doing as well as how to do what you what you need to do. So you mentioned how much 
you enjoy your work, you feel really passionate about it and want to sort of share that with others. What's the key thing that you really love about your work and what's the worst aspect of the role? Hmm. So what I really like is it's quite satisfying to see something that you are responsible for working, um, which I think that there's a lot of people that you know, will have hobbies um, where they, they produce things, they make things, they, they paint, they model, um, they take pictures. It's kind of the same level of enjoyment where um, I can sort of see my relay ticking over in a relay room. And so far, none of them have had to trip um, the ones that I've installed. But um, I suppose from a, a big picture, the system itself is very large and very old and has many. You know, there's quite a lot of history to our transmission system when you really get into it. So it's sort of being a part of that wider history of the overall system you know it's it really is a, a you know a mammoth institution it's a huge set of, of assets that work together you know there's, there's transformers that are far far older than me that went in in the in the 60s and you know they're still going it's both that having a tangible outcome to your work so being able to physically see yep yeah, that's something that i've done but also working for an organization where you feel aligned towards them you they you feel proud to to be part of them you get what they do you like what they do and I think I see that in a lot of students now that actually people want to work for an organization that they feel comfortable with rather than that make they're making a moral compromise and what have you yeah and and so you said about things that I'm not enjoying is that I would say I was quite a sociable person and so this is nothing to do with the, the company or the work itself but um the office has less people in it now from people working at home which is good for some people, but um, not as good for other people, I think, if, you, if you're a person that likes to, to speak to people. But that has actually changed because we've, quite, we've recently put on some sort of, we're playing badminton, for example, um, on Friday um, evening. And so it's, it's sort of, fi- it, I don't want to say fixing, but it's um, working with the new way of working, yeah. I suppose, in this hybrid approach. Um, it's, you know, that, that, that would actually be my main gripe but I would probably have that wherever I was working yeah. um, or possibly worse because I may not be traveling around seeing people going to the office I could be completely you know I could end up being completely home-based and I probably wouldn't enjoy that as much at all. It's interesting isn't it how your that it's the context of the work and your personality and if you enjoy being around others etc that can have a major factor regardless of whatever tasks you're doing uh, in a job and I think it was probably quite lucky that you just started your grad scheme just before Covid hit because I've spoken to a lot of graduates who started their job after lockdowns were imposed and it found it really difficult trying to build relationships with colleagues and ask questions um, because just not physically around other people so I think it is having that balance, isn't it? It's very convenient and nice to work from home. Um, but actually, there is value in working with others and building those relationships with colleagues. Oh, definitely. And I'm, and I'm not saying that work, working from home does does have its benefits. It is quite nice. But um, I suppose it's, it's finding the right balance for each person. And my balance is probably more in the office than at home. I think what's good, though, one good thing that has come out of the pandemic is there is more flexibility now. So there's it's not just one standard approach for everyone. As you say, it's finding your own balance and a lot of employers are more willing to kind of potentially compromise on those things. For students who are thinking about they might want to work in this sector or people who kind of recently graduated who want to break into it, 
What would you say the sort of key challenges will be for engineers working in the energy sector over the next few years? Because there's a there's a lot going on in the energy sector right now. Is there anything that would be worth them having a heads up about or particularly researching? From a personal point of view, I think that one of the, the key issues that, that new engineers will face is the sheer volume of things that are happening, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing um, because, you know, people need engineers to, to do all this work. So um, it's not going anywhere. Um, but I think that some companies, um, not, not necessarily National Grid, um, you know, there, there are a wide range of companies in the sector, um, may um, push people to sort of become qualified to do things faster than maybe they previously would. So they may be changing their processes to sort of get people, you know, operating as a engineer for them as quickly as possible to sort of meet these huge demands that are sort of appearing for, for work. But on the flip side, you know, there's a huge amount of work and, you know, if, if you're in the energy sector, you're not going to be made redundant due to a lack of work at the moment. Obviously, our appetite for electricity is increasing, which means that our network needs to be able to handle more flow of power. You know, and, and there are limits to how much power can travel down lines. So eventually you have to build more lines. It sounds like it's a really fascinating time to get yeah. involved in the sector because there's so many different changes and challenges coming on. Um, and it sounds like they're just going to need more and more people who've got the skill set to, to work in it and, and resolve yeah. these things. So it's essentially our demand has increased. But our demand is also in different places to where it used to be. Yeah. And also our generation is coming from different places as well. So you kind of have to move the system. But it's not as easy as just moving the system because, you know, we're talking of like substations and, and transformers the size of houses. You can't just mm. move them. It's not, it's not as simple as that. So we need to build more in some places to, to meet that. It is interesting, though, how as industries change and kind of bigger you know smaller places become more populated or places that were populated become less popular that has a massive impact then on what the energy supply is to those areas and that you have to kind of adapt and kind of create new systems phase out old systems it's I never really thought about that before it's really interesting so finally have you got any other bits of advice for students or grads who are thinking about working in engineering generally and any tips for applying to the national grid in particular so um, National Grid um, particular, there are two schemes to apply for. Uh, one is the IP scheme, um, which is a year placement instead of a, or as well as a year as part of your degree, depending on which degree you do. I know chemistry students can count theirs, but obviously at a chemistry company. Um, there is also the summer placement, which is a three-month placement along the same theme. Obviously, you would only do one pl like placement during that three months. Um, so you'd have a bit more of a, a short-term view of things rather than a year um, and there's also the graduate scheme to apply for as well um, sort of as a postgrad and it doesn't have to be people that are immediately a postgrad either uh, onto the graduate scheme um, it's worth pointing out you know that then mm. they, you, know, you don't have to have finished within the last year or so it, it, it's a bit more broad than that and in terms of advice um, it's never too early I suppose to start looking and applying not not specifically for national grid either in that if you're looking at doing one of these placements you know, you, you can think, oh, it's it's miles away, but um, it will soon creep up on you, as, as I found. So um, getting your applications and things in reasonably early. I suppose one of the other things was um, I quite enjoy, I enjoyed my th fourth year at university quite a lot more than my second year because I already had my placement on a graduate scheme kind of secured. 
Um, so it did take a lot of the stress out of my final year of my bachelor's, knowing that you know, I only had to get a, a 2-2 to, um, <laughs> to, to, to get on this graduate scheme. And I actually ended up doing a lot better in, in most of my exams just from being less stressed. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely, I'm, I'm sure that'll apply to a lot of people really in that, you know, a, a so, removing a source of stress does in fact make you less stressed. <laughs> as, as <laughs> Who'd have thought? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's funny, it's quite, um, there's quite a lot of other graduate employees who do that, actually, kind of fast track people who've either done an internship with them or a placement year with them. So that, yes, A, it does take away that stress, it adds that security, and it means you can just focus on your studies and enjoying your life, uh, finishing up with university once you return for your final year. So I think that that is a quite a good system if you if you are able to think ahead and, and manage to secure one of those opportunities. Oh, definitely. And I suppose one of the benefits I've said before of, of National Grid is that there are locations in England and Wales sort of quite broadly. So I've been quite lucky to be able to return to York after COVID has finished and then sort of start commuting to Leeds. But um, I suppose that's another thing completely separate to, to that is that where you want to live now probably has more of a impact than it did previously for people with remote working working from home um hybrid approaches so um you know it, it's not a, it's not a short drive down to leeds it takes me about it, it's only 25 minutes at, you know the wind in the right direction but um, <laughs> like on a good day <laughs> yeah but um having the opportunity to work from home as well as go to the office made that much more bearable i think yeah and and that definitely solidified my decision to move back to york rather than leeds for example Well, um, for more info about the careers we've mentioned today, I'm going to add some relevant links to the episode description and a link to the full transcript of today's show. But Dan, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. It's been really interesting to hear about your work and all your amazing advice there. So thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us this week on What Do You Actually Do? This episode was hosted by me, Kate Morris, edited by Stephen Furlong and produced by both of us. If you love this podcast, spread the word and follow us. Are you eager to get more tips? Follow University of York Careers and Placements on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. All useful links are in this episode's description. This has been produced at the University of York Careers and Placements. For more information, visit york.ac.uk forward slash careers.